This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to my favorite murder. That's Georgia Hardstar. That's Karen Kilgariff. This is a podcast. Welcome. You know that because you press that little purple <laughs> icon on your phone and you're listening to podcasts. So. That's right. This is not a TV show. Don't wait for the visual part. This isn't an audio book. We're not going to read you a story. No, this is uh, this is not this is nonfiction, <laughs> right? Nonfiction is true. Yes. It's also confusing. Uh, I remember being taught that in like fifth grade and being like, Who's in charge? Yeah. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Excuse me. How hard do you, are you trying to make the English language? As hard, you're, This is that thing where like guys that play the guitar won't just show you how to make a chord with your hand. They <laughs> need to talk about like all the different <laughs> whatever where it's yeah. like you could just call nonfiction's not true. This that is, was the this is under clearly. the same category of when am I ever going to need math in my adult life? <laughs> yes, and it all goes in. It all goes in there. The education. Trickery. Let us reconfigure the education system. We I are just here for this. Distinctly remember it being around 10 and being like, <laughs> I, I will now say how we're going to refer to books that are true or are not true. Yes. Not true is nonfiction. Right. True is fiction. This is how I need it to go. Man, I fucking missed the day where they taught yours your your you are that one yeah or let's one of those and just wasn't like in elementary school and just never figured it out until high school because i just missed that fucking day of class yep that's that same thing happened to me with long division which kicked off my math anxiety that became such a bad thing for me i flunked uh, algebra third quarter of high school yeah, and then had to go to a hypnotist <gasps> to try to get relieve my math anxiety. Wow. That's a who ordered that? Pat Kilgariff. She's all about it. She's so smart. She got in there. <laughs> but then I was like, you, you know, Pat and I know that this is not, I can have math anxiety for the rest of my life and right. it's never truly going to impact me. Well, at least the nuns didn't just smack it out of you. Like at True. least Pat was like, let me do something that might She's actually like, let, work. Let me step in and make up some dumb bullshit. <laughs> you know what I think works? <laughs> acupuncture, which it actually does. That does work. Yeah. I That's ancient. It's ancient. It's ancient. I love those ancient ones where it's like, who who here? Uh, our country's been around for, what is it? 150 years? Who here is arguing ancient 5,000-year-old <laughs> yeah. medical knowledge? Yeah. How dare? You're smarter than 5,000 years old? Don't think so. No. Do you know what I'm going to do when this pandemic is over? First thing, ayahuasca. Shit. (laughs) I would have let you. What would you guess? What would you guess? Go to to the Edendale Bar and Grill. Actually, okay, that's the first one. That's number one. (laughs) 
That's what you said. The first thing. Um, are you really going to do ayahuasca? Re- do an internal reset? I think I'm going to do ayahuasca. And okay, this is a great segue into the podcast that you have fucking set me down a rabbit hole on. Oh, boom, my boom. God. Steven, yeah. write down the date and time and date because Georgia has <laughs> taken one of my recommendations <laughs> right, right to heart. Immediately. This podcast called This Is Actually Happening. You text me yesterday about it and I've listened to three episodes already. And yeah. last night I was listening to an episode. Um, it's basically people's true stories of just bananas things that's happened to them in their lives. And usually extremely negative. Right. Uh, because that's the most satisfying story to hear. Someone is like, I won the lottery. And, and then life like, oh, change and how their lives change. I mean, it's beautiful. And it's, it's just, incredible. There's no narrator. It's just the person telling their story in the most beautiful way. And so the one I listened to is called What If You Entered the Void? <sighs> and it's this incredible. If you, I mean, it's, I've never heard depression explained so beautifully and succinctly and he goes and does ayahuasca after a lifetime of depression and i haven't gotten to the end yet so i don't know if it works or not but i feel like it must so i'm just gonna do it um yeah i totally want to do ayahuasca that's amazing well wait that's so that's split off that's two conversations so let's pause on the um pause on ayahuasca because i definitely want to come back to that but my the first one so i'm i asked jay actually to help me find this because i'm off twitter but then also i'm the worst conversation put a pin in that one okay uh, that's right (laughs) this is gonna go back steven start making a homeland red thread (laughs) um, map for this conversation but oh so i tried to ask because somebody actually this was off of the radio rental recommendation Uh um of the last podcast i recommended i believe it was the most recent somebody wrote in and said if you like that you're gonna love this is actually happening and i really want to give you credit if you would write back in if you'd email in that would actually help Mm -hmm. and don't lie and don't try to we can fact check we can just look at steal valor yeah exactly Oh, so the first one I listened to, because I really think the idea that people and I wouldn't say that every person telling their story in this is a quote unquote victim in some way. Mm -hmm. But there are people who have these experiences that when you hear about them, it's so extreme. It's so bizarre. There's there's a guy who talks about how he was homeless. Um, Him and his father were homeless Mm -hmm. and he was also trans. And um, then he gets put into a shelter because he was still underage when this was (sighs) happening. And then someone at the shelter whose name I want puts him in touch with people who live up in the Bay Area who um, are also trans people. And it's like, you're welcome to come and live with us for super cheap. And then those people turn out to be living. It's um, what if you get pulled into an alternate reality or it's, it's yeah. called something like that. And it's the one of the most upsetting, but, <laughs> but the, but the narrator is so incredibly strong and of his own mind, the entire story yeah. where he's basically going, I just was agreeing to get, so I could get out of the house. I just kept going with it. And they were literally like, everything is, the government is watching you and you're being manipulated Whoa. and you have to do what we say and all this stuff that like I feel like a, a less strong person would have been so vulnerable to this concept of two people doing it to him oh pointing out all this stuff and like that's how you know you're not safe and all this stuff and he he just like got super cheap rent in yeah. the city while he tried to get his degree it, it's an incredible Did story you know, that he got himself out of I don't remember where I saw this but someone we posted oh we, we, we in the I should 
shouldn't be reading comments. This is part of the social media thing. But someone commented in one of the episodes that we posted recently that was live. She said, I didn't realize that the cheap rent I got from this uh, when I was in high, in, in wait. I didn't realize that the cheap rent I got when I lived in this random place was because I moved into a cult until Karen <gasps> covered the cult at a live show and I was sitting in the audience. <laughs> she also needs to write to us. She's like, I was sitting in the audience and realized that I used to live in like a cult compound because the rent was cheap. <laughs> and I oh didn't know my God. Story. Oh my God. Wait, is that the, um, the, the one that's like, the bakers? Yes, I was going to say, it's I like think a, it was the that. yellow, yeah. yellow deli or yeah, something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's that. Yeah. It's a study in empathy, this, this show. There's right. one that I just listened to that's a kind of a newer one that I text you, holy shit, but is what if someone you love committed a monstrous crime? Did mm-hmm. you listen to that one? No. Oh my God. Oh my God. I will for sure. It's unbelievable. I just can't wait to like fucking listen to all of them. It's incredible. There's so so many good ones, but the so the one the first one I sent you is called "What If It Happened in Broad Daylight," mm-hmm. um, about oh, a woman who was attacked in at the bank. <gasps> and it's the craziest, creepiest story. But the way she talks about how she doesn't like being treated as the as the quote unquote victim of this crime yeah. is was was really eye opening and really important to hear. That's why I always love first-hand accounts yeah. of the person that actually went through it because they get to dictate how, you know what I mean? Like she is talking about when it first happened, you know, she's, they bring her into the back. Yeah. She's, her neck gets sliced with a knife. Yeah. And, and everyone around her is freaking out. And she's like, it must've been like the adrenaline or being in shock, but she didn't think anything bad happened. To right. Her. Right. She just knew it was kind of weird and she got moved away. And it wasn't until she saw the videotape played back for her by the cops that she goes, I felt so bad for that girl on the tape. It was completely like uh, it wasn't, it didn't happen to her. It, it's a, it's a lesson of like how, uh, PTSD and how adrenaline works and how, you know, what your brain does in a panic situation. And how people react to um, trauma or tragedy or violent situations that are not the ones that happened to, but the ones that were there. It's almost like the witnesses. Um, it, it Her version of the story, I shouldn't, yeah, none yeah. of this is like uh you know the i haven't I'm, finished I'm saying it as a yet. fact it's it was fascinating to hear someone's take on what that was like to be the 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 subject of it when that is not how she felt and she it would really bug her the way she was treated as this person that it happened to yeah. and that because the person who perpetrated the crime uh they believed she had the person had schizophrenia so she couldn't get answers she was right. like i I just wanted to know what I did. And there that is no answer. Caused it. There's, There's no, no good explanation as to why that happened. It's right. I mean, yeah, Fast. it's an incredible. It's, just, it's an incredible show. You guys should listen to it. And it's a great thing to be able to hear people discuss their, um, like you say, it's like it. People getting to discuss the like say most painful or most difficult or worst thing that's happened to them being able to tell you they're a complete person. They're whole. Mm-hmm. They didn't get. They didn't get smashed apart by it they're completely there saying and this is what i learned there's Mm -hmm. one woman who talks about um 
some oh it was her mom joined a cult and she kept saying i want to i don't want to judge it i want to understand it i want to know because i know i didn't have the life she had or the experience she had which like made me go like whoa like i take so much comfort in judging other people's actions it makes me feel more grounded to judge when actually you never know the full story and it's it's like a weird fake or what you would do. do in their situation. You can, you know, we can fucking talk about what we would do in someone else's, you know, shoes. Tell the fucking cows come home, but until you're really there, you you have no idea because there's so many yeah. other things at play, including your fucking, you know, uh, fight, flight or fight uh, mode, which actually pertains to this because and almost brings would it. You, a, would a, you find a segue in Did a weird favorite thing? Yes, in a weird fucking circular thing. So we, we, you and I together at the same time took uh, social media off of our phones because we I thought you're going to say we took some drug together. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, when? I didn't tell you I put ketamine in your coffee. <laughs> Shit. Uh, we took social media off our phones together because we both realized it was affecting us in a very negative way. Yes. And so I was talking to my therapist unrelated about fight, flight or freeze. Freeze. Yes. And so I was looking up. Though, you know, which, who am I? What do I do? And actually in, it said in the context of the freeze part, which I think I do is mindless scrolling to get yourself. You just can't move forward. And so you find something that's comforting, like taking a nap or scrolling. And so I think maybe we're so panicked and have so much anxiety about the world, what's going on today. Our fucking business life right now is, you know, for the past four years has been, bananas and so this mindless scrolling this commenting this getting reading comments and all of that is a really great way to avoid the you know avoid the the stress that's actually happening that we just can't deal with right now well it's almost like you get to pick your own stress so it's a control issue yeah. because it's like it's like saying oh this is what i'm upset about i can all that handle other stuff this stress yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i can be mad at this person right. and blame here's or the problem over- yeah yeah totally also uh that reminds me because there's a similar thing um i was saying <laughs> It was someone we know made a joke about me being perfect, a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And so I actually looked up what, cause I was like, I am not nowhere near being perfect. And then I looked it up and I have it so fucking bad. <gasps> what is it? Like what? Because I always picture like a perfectionist is like Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. You know, they it's actually like Tracy are perfect. Flick. Right. Right. And that's not it at all. It's just, it is, is the trying that makes it happen it's the um it's it's unrealistic expectations and goals Ah. and then the procrastination part is the sidelining yourself when you lose all faith and then it's like it's really fascinating it's 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 so good i was i'm gonna send you it was i found an article in psychology today about it that had this really good illustration where it was like a person here um the goal set is a is a road that goes straight up Mm -hmm. and then it's like finish line straight up. And there's someone on the side of the road looking at their phone on one (gasps) side and on the other side of the road, cutting the grass with scissors, like perfectly trimming the grass. I'm a perfectionist, but that's not their goal at all. Oh, that makes total sense. 
there's all these things about it that I just was like, oh my God, that's what, that's what it is. And then you just are always ruining your own good time with those kind of like, it'll never work. I'll never make it. I'll never be so-and-so. So So it's like comparing yourself to people, all, all the shit everyone does. Well, you know what the fourth F is that my therapist just told me about I had never heard of. So you have fight, flight, uh, Freeze. freeze or fawn, like fawning like telling someone how beautiful they look and being like, Oh my God, you're, you know, like to, to make them like you. That's the way, like you, the tiger's about to attack you. And you're like, you look amazing today. You're such, you're the fucking queen of the jungle. And wow, you look great. And like, that's the person's way to like make everyone like them so that they, uh, don't get attacked. Wow. I know. I feel like I do. Well, and also in my, in the culture I grew up in, that's how you know who to attack because that's clearly <laughs> fake. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's fucking clearly work for fake. Me, and it doesn't, it's, yeah. it's disingenuous. It's like, it's like somebody going, uh, just putting in the vote of I'm scared of you, which is like, great. I'll take care of that. Remember when one of our first, which is perfectionistic of me to be, I can't accept compliments right. because Remember I know you're, f- at, I know you're lying. And in Hollywood at my, our, my old apartment during one of our first fucking couple months and you sat down to like talk to me about a serious issue. And I was like, okay, yeah, totally. By the way, your hair looks amazing. And you were like, don't talk about my hair. This is serious. Like you specifically <laughs> called me out on it. And I was yeah. like, whoa, I fucking totally do that. Where it's like, right, great, well, we, let me let me defuse the situation real quick. Now you should like me. Go ahead. Yeah. Which is so manipulative. It's so manipulative. But this was before. And look, this was before <laughs> I understood your background where direct like we're going to sit down and face to face discuss a thing is your worst nightmare. Yeah. And that is like. That's all I know Yeah. of like, no, 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 we have to solve this right now. We're going to talk it out. We're going to put it on the table. And like, I was setting you up to be panicked. <laughs> like that approach was your And then it didn't approach. work. It didn't. I, my, my diffusion didn't work. Oh, my God. We should write a book. No, because because I was like, please don't diffuse. Well, I have to tell yeah. you, it's hard enough to be saying like whatever fucking st- that a, a thing that I bet you if Stephen was able to go like, you know what it was about? We'd both start laughing because it's <laughs> nothing. He has, a, he has every argument on fucking <laughs> on his computer. <laughs> so many. Oh, Stephen, how many has times he, he had to step out of the apartment? <laughs> to, uh, Yes. Not for the early days. Oh, That's what his book's no. going to be about. The first time I was asked to step out of the apartment and walk around George's neighborhood was... But I didn't stop pr- with recording, so don't worry. Um, what oh. else? Do I had some- Ayahuasca! Wait a second. Ayahuasca. Are you... In the ayahuasca category, are you fine throwing up in front of others? Because oh. that's the thing that blows Girl, my mind. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lifelong recovering bulimic. I can fucking oh. do this till the cow. Like I, <laughs> you can do it anywhere. I, I have a, uh, yes, I can do it anywhere. I have no fucking issue with it. It's <laughs> okay. Some of All my right. best friends have seen me vomit. It's like just not a thing for like. And I, by the way, get help for your eating disorders. It's I'm making a joke of it, but it's serious. Yes, uh, for sure. But <laughs> no, it's it's not good, and also no it can issue. it actually can do serious damage, especially to your heart, Ugh, to your esophagus, um, and to everything. It's not good. So, bad. but I am a, no. I am an amiable. I have an amiable gag reflex. I'm I'm like good at this thing. It sucks to be really good at something that you just can't actually use, you know. But there's upsides, like ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> I was being dirty. Oh, but. No! Karen! <laughs> Ew! 
Sorry. Market. Stephen Market. No, leave um, it. I love it. Leave it. <laughs> Stephen's shaking his head. He's like, I'm not fucking taking that up. Stephen's like, where, what's happened to this show? What's happened to you, um, COVID-19? Ayahuasca. Uh, oh, but I yeah. think I saw a good special about um, you, they were using ayahuasca to help treat PTSD yes. for, um, soldiers coming back from war and really having a hard time. And yeah. they really, they see, um, a lot of, a lot of real change yeah. with that. So I think that could be amazing. I think so too. And I, of course, do my research and take it very seriously, but. I'm right. I'm and there's 1000 stand up comedians have who have slowly been transitioning into like ayahuasca shamans yeah. because they're so into it. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah, me and uh, Mark Marin. Maybe we'll just take a fucking trip to the. Oh, that'd be nice. I know he does. He doesn't know me. So that'd be weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how you get to know yeah, people. That's fucking right. Nothing like vomiting in front of someone to really get to know them. And then you're like, I'm sorry, it's great talking to you, but I can see the devil right now. So I have to go deal with that. It's, and I'm going to have to go without path. Vince because he's not, he's not, I'm, I have, I'm more experimental than he is. And I heard that you see a snake, like in a lot of people see a snake and he's terrified of snakes, like to a point that's incredible. Like a snake comes on TV for a second and he loses it. Oh, um, they're pretty bad. Yeah. I'm kind of on his side with snakes. <laughs> I don't disagree. Um, <laughs> Let's it's see. So slimy. Oh, I wanted to talk about. Let's see. I had a thing. Hold on a second. I mean, how are you doing though? Being off social media in general, do you feel an improvement? I feel more more focused. Yeah, the first couple of days, I realized that every single thing that happens in my life and around the house and with the cats is me is is my brain goes to. I should post that. This will be a good post. What do I post about this? That's all I think about. Yes. And um, the mindless scrolling, of course, you know, I'm still kind of doing it on other sites like, you know, news sites, but it's uh, it's (laughs) it's so sad every time I like enter CNN.com into my phone where I'm just like, I just want to know what's going on. But it's like this real kind of rickety grandpa version of getting the news. Yeah. It's so hilarious. It's like it it feels like social media and it feels like an intricate knot that I'm tied up in that doesn't feel good. I can't, you know, move well and I can't, I can't thrive when I'm tied up that way. But at the same time, it's, it's comforting and I've known it for so long and it's, and it's been there for me in so many ways and is part of my like a self-esteem boost for me that I need, but at this, but I'm also looking for the negative stuff and it affects me in a way that is really negative and, I, it's mind blowing how how the positive stuff you you so easily take it for granted mm-hmm. when people are telling you beautiful, wonderful things. And then the negative stuff can be just passing. You can tell it's just someone trying to get attention mm-hmm. and it'll like stick in your brain. Right. And that's the part that and it's not like I, I honestly don't experience that much of that. Yeah. Um, because I just immediately mute everyone. Yeah. I, I literally will. If somebody well, you're goes better at that, then that's the thing. Is like, I just that's am like, my you, thing. 
I'm bad. You at just it. disqualified yourself. You disqualified yeah. yourself. So you don't get to talk to me if you're going to use that tone or like, honey, like anything yeah. that starts like that. I'm like, sorry, I'm so much older than you. Right. Goodbye. Well, there's just no but, way that I can do the work that I'm I'm doing with my therapist, which is trying to get past old like bullying and you know self esteem issues. If I keep reading comments, if I, there's no way I can't both work on those issues that I have and let people get to me that way which you know at the same time right. it just doesn't work so i'm picking well, i'm picking my own fucking psyche and working on that instead of social media good great that's the that's so much better and then Meanwhile, you can go to i have a can of wine at 2 30 in the afternoon right now <laughs> so Look, but it's pandemic <laughs> what are you supposed to do it's a pandemic so i'm doing i mean we're great. doing this you have to have some vices we're doing this experiment yeah. of just being a little bit more off the grid um, in the middle of the most isolated yes. time in our lives, yeah. which is very difficult. I mean, my thing is, I realize just Twitter is a social thing for me that isn't real. Right. So I keep going to it like, oh, I just want to connect to some people. And it's like, then text your friends. Right. Don't You're like I want to stay like, in the loop. It is a totally different thing for comedians, though. I'm like, you know, I do. Right. Think so. But it's but it is the you're so true. You're so right about the dopamine hit of interaction, which is good and fine mm -hmm. if you can keep the brackets around it. Yeah. But if it then begins to spill in because someone decided to be kind of like, you know, bitchy or critical to you. Yeah. It's like you don't know who that is. The idea that you just immediately take their opinion straight to heart and yeah. be like, this matters. And now I'm going to feel bad about it is like. It's a very sped up reaction and we don't know that that's yeah. what we're doing, but that's what we're doing. We're going, whoever you are, random person. You get a say in, you get a say in my life and how you, I feel about you myself. You get a say. Yeah. And it's like, sorry, let's not do that to ourselves. Yeah. Let's keep that circle real small of people who get a say. Yeah. That's a great idea. As, as my therapist told me it like in year one where she goes, how many like close friends would you say you have? And I'm like, I don't know, 30. And she goes, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> that's not a thing. Uh, uh. <laughs> that is, wow. That's not true. And I was just like, oh, you're right. Four. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> keep, Four. It keep it tight. Well, your sister has agreed. Your sister, Laura, <laughs> has agreed too, and Stephen does this too. When there's a cute thing on Instagram that pertains to us, she's agreed to send it to me. Uh, yeah, I feel like we should give her the my favorite murder Instagram password and just be like, post whatever you want anytime That's you want. Well, they're coming to visit, so maybe oh. we'll we'll make an arrangement. Oh my god, what if you Nora was our social media manager? <laughs> your thir thirteen year old niece. She's so TikTok based, though. Oh, that's the only thing. Great. She's all about. We need a fucking so TikTok presence. Great. We do. We need the youth injection. <laughs> we're we're old people talking to young people. We need to be managed by even younger people. There, I think there is like a. I don't know TikTok at all, but we've been tagged in a few things where like stay, a, the the gal will say, "Stay sexy and don't get murdered." I don't know. They they play us saying, "Stay sexy, don't get murdered," and then uh, mimic it. I don't know. In a, is that in a, a TikTok? Is that a yeah, meme? Yeah, that's a TikTok Steven's thing. Yeah. I can see Steven in Zoom and he's laughing They lip sync. Steven, do you yes. have something to say about TikTok? I'm too old for TikTok. That's how... What? Millennial yeah. Ray Morris is too old. The only, thing, the only thing I follow on TikTok is a woman who does couponing. What? So she's a, 
That she's sounds a murderino. Fun. She's a murderino in, <laughs> in Nashville, and she does cat rescue stuff. But she also does shows like all the extreme coupons, like <gasps> CBS, like you saved four hundred dollars today, or like your thing is What's free. What's her name? I want to. Yes. I- her name is Laura. Um, I'll yes, find Laura. a link to it. But like, okay. it's just about the, all the ways that you can like, and she donates a lot of the stuff that she gets on coupons to shelters, like women's <sighs> shelters and things like that. She's doing great work. It's That's, it's really fun. Okay. It's awesome. very satisfying. Okay. Yeah. Like the love couponing, man. I love couponing. Love that. Laura Bell X at Laura Bell X on TikTok. And that's Bell B-E-L-L-E-X. Laura Bell X. Beautiful. Love it. There we are. Here we are. We got our TikTok in. Yeah, we'll have Nora walk <laughs> us through it. You and Vince should come over. And we can sit outside. Have, have dinner yeah. on the patio. Yeah. And then we'll get we'll set Nora up. Is your dad we'll coming? Can he, make, can he make one of his well done burgers for us? Yes, he can. <laughs> don't tell, don't tell him I fucking said that. Well, the problem is they're either completely done uh-huh. or you are eating red meat <laughs> off of the styrofoam white thing. I mean, he's there in the past. He served burgers that were just like we everyone was pretending to eat them and then, and then had yeah. to put them down afterwards because oh like they were so raw. It's like top an episode of Top Chef. <laughs> it's insanity. We're going to make something that's not that's like tacos where you just know exactly exactly what the uh, cooking is. Okay, but great. Yeah, we'll get that all figured out. Look, it, I'm not, definitely not going to be off social media forever, no. but I think it's so good at a time like this to to watch yourself and actually just be in the world. Like I had to, as you know, I dropped my I dropped my phone in the pool oh my the other God. day. God, listen to this, you guys. This so, is the most LA thing you've ever fucking heard. This is an asshole story, and Jay, I do apologize. Jay texted me the other morning. Our our <laughs> assistant, so LA, was like, "Hey, I'm yeah. sure she told you, but Karen dropped her phone in the pool, so we have to <laughs> cancel this meeting or whatever." And I was like, "She fucking didn't tell me, actually." <laughs> I was the second it happened, I was like, "Yay! I don't have to do any calls for like days." I was. I, in my mind, I was like, you just bought yourself a week of freedom. And then I'm like, what am I talking about? Yeah. Like, I can do everything on my laptop. I know. What so am I talking annoying. about? So I left my house and went to uh, the phone place that's not the iPhone store yeah. or the Apple store because they're all closed um, to my local phone place. Uh-huh. And we're, uh, a woman who worked there, this, the... Um, I guess what it would be Sherman Oaks AT&T store. Cindy, what's up? Cindy. You killed it. You were the greatest. Okay. This woman, I loved her so much. Went in. Of course, there's like dots everywhere of where you should stand yeah, and yeah. everything. Now all those tables in those like phone uh-huh. stores have the plastic divider on them. I mean, all this stuff. It's Great. so trippy. Dystopian as fuck. Yeah, it's crazy. And we're both wearing masks. And uh, so she's I'm like, I just need to replace this phone. What's the latest one? Uh-huh. I'll have the one you're having. <laughs> I've thank God I have insurance. Pools count, you know, whatever. <laughs> so she's just doing it real fast, yeah, not yeah. asking me all those extra questions. Aye. She just knew we needed to both get out of there quickly. Aye. And uh so then I go over, she goes back to get it. I go over to like, look for what my new phone case will be. Cause of course it's a different size and yeah, it's all yeah. new, everything. And a woman comes in who's wearing a mask, but walks straight in and starts telling everybody what to do. And Cindy's like, ma'am, you, could you please stand over there? You have, we have, we already have three customers in the store. Them what to do? Like, just like, I need to pay my bill, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. But, but 
Cindy's like, oh, you need to stand over here because we already have the maximum people in the store. And this woman, no. it was like she was waiting for her cue. <gasps> oh, did oh, I'm sorry. Did someone in this store die? Is that why you're being this dramatic? And she started going off. <sighs> and I looked, I looked at her. I was just like, you, I, I almost started yelling. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is total crap. And Cindy handled it beautifully she was just like ma'am i'm sorry i understand your frustration this is for the safety of others she handled wow. it like the woman immediately realized there was going to be no attention gotten yeah. there's going to be no no one was going to join her in her fight and she just went and stood she handled it so perfectly so you know how what they usually pity, say can i just say what a pity it is that she because you're wearing a mask didn't get the full effect of karen's fuck you face <laughs> But at the same time, you were able to fucking give it with just your eye showing and, and eyebrow. Those eyebrows are pretty. The eye, the eyebrows do it. Yeah, they're plucked specifically for <laughs> making people freeze in their tracks. But I, I had actually started yelling when she started yelling. I immediately started yelling because that's oh, you know, double, That's what we do. Double yellow girls do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, are you yelling? I'm more mad immediately. Um, You're but, like her hype man who's like, yeah, bitch. <laughs> what, what? But I'm against her. I'm the anti, anti-hype man. Yeah. But I realized, I was like, do not escalate this. Cindy's got it. You don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Yeah. When they said, they sent me the thing of, will you fill out a survey? Yeah. And normally I completely ignore those, even if I've gotten great service. I filled out that survey and wrote, texted a paragraph this long mm-hmm. about how well, Cindy handled herself and this situation and completely diffused it. And if AT&T is going to have people in stores, they need to pay them more because they're doing more than the average job yeah. because now they have to manage and mitigate people who are anti-maskers coming in and screaming at everybody. And that's on them. And and because I had a long conversation with Cindy about it where I was like, she goes, we would have like a weird thing happen in the store maybe once a week right. before. She goes, now it's five times a day. <gasps> And because, but antagonizers, but the reason she understood it, she goes, it's easy for me to calm them down and to stay neutral because I know your phone is your lifeline. And if you're in a place where the government hasn't sent you a check and you don't have anything and all of a sudden you can't make your payment and you're getting your phone cut off, then you're cut off. And so this is all of a sudden the people in these stores This is they're on the front line of people who are being affected by the mismanagement of this entire situation. Oh, my God. So Cindy. So I wrote to I wrote to my in my report, in my review, where I was like, please pay these people more because they're protecting your brand. So you need to protect them. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like right now. (laughs) It's horrible. Georgia, 10 years ago, I. I would have been fucked. There's no moving home because there's no fucking home. There's mm-hmm. no not paying rent. You'll get kicked out you're, and you're fucking your roommates over. You know, yep. it's like, I, I don't know what I would. I don't know what I would do if I were Karen. Karen, five years ago yeah. would have been literally pack up the dogs and move back to my dad's house yeah. because and and look, people are doing that. And there is no shame oh in collecting yourself God. in a situation None. like this. This is like unprecedented yeah. insanity. If you have to if you're lucky enough to have a family to go home to. Yeah. Just say thank you and do those dishes and <laughs> to feel not one ounce of shame right. because this is crazy. This is unprecedented and it's also we're it's also unmanaged. This is this is beyond. <laughs> yeah. But the Cindy's of the world, please think when you're out and about and you're going to places that have reopened, please be ultra careful, concerned, polite, and defensive of the people who are now 
also essential workers, uh, but they're working at, you know, at a yeah. phone store. Yeah. Like, please, please be protective and careful and know that those people are being deeply affected by the stresses of others and the people who can't manage mm. themselves. Yeah, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm just here working, trying to sell iPhones. And suddenly I have to, I'm a crisis manager. Dude, Cindy, we Cindy, love you. Cindy props. Props to Cindy. Um, <laughs> fuck. All right. It's been 36 <laughs> Sorry, minutes. That was- <laughs> Should we start talking about the podcast? <laughs> God damn it. We-, we haven't even gotten to exactly right news yet. Oh my God. Literally, when I sat down, I was like, I have nothing to I, talk Me too. I, I actually every wrote two things down that I could talk about and we haven't talked about them. That's like... <laughs> What you got? What you got? Well, I have uh, uh, the beautiful and amazing actor Dan Levy. Um, yeah. He posted this Instagram recently that I saw before I took Instagram off. Wait, can I say? Yeah. Is it about taking that class? Yes. Oh, I love him so much. He it's is. So- there's a there's a free course being offered through the University of Alberta called Indigenous Canada. It's a 12 lesson course that explores indigenous histories and contemporary issues from an indigenous perspective. And he is t- not only it starts this week. The um, it's like 12 courses. It he'll be doing hosting a weekly discussion with the professors, um, for 12 weeks, and they're all going to learn together. I have it pulled up right here. It's it looks awesome. It's I mean. It's so brilliant. Yeah. I love that Dan Levy's getting involved. He's incredible. Well, because also it's like, what are you doing with your time? Like, uh, you know, how many times can I rewatch the same show that I already like? And when I saw that, that was before I left Twitter. I saw that. And I was like, that genius bastard. He's done it again. So because smart. it's like, learn about something you should know. Right. That r- very few of our educations provided for us in a meaningful way. And the other thing was that the Anchorage Daily News, I saw this on Reddit. They, on the cover of their newspaper, um, it's a, it's a huge blank newspaper page with a tiny little paragraph at the bottom that says, over the past month, we've presented the stories of women and men choosing to speak out about their experiences with sexual violence in Alaska. Talking about rape and sexual assault is difficult. Many survivors may not be in a position to do so right now. This space, which is the blank space, is dedicated to those not ready to share. We're leaving this open for you. Oh, my God. So you can write and you know how important it is to even write a letter that you don't send. They left yep. the entire front page open for Ugh. for survivors of sexual assault to write their experience and just keep it. Beautiful. I know. Chills. Brilliant. Yeah. Who is that editor in chief? High five. High five. Anchorage. The Anchorage. What is the newspaper Anchorage called? Daily News. Wow. Congratulations. Uh-huh. It's inc- what a beautiful gesture. I know. All right. That was what I had. Oh, and then we have... We have... We're going to make some face masks. You guys, we made face masks. You guys. Guys, we made face masks. They say stay sexy and don't get... No, they just say stay sexy. <laughs> they say stay, they sexy, just say stay sexy and then they have the My Favorite Murder logo on them. So you can... Everyone you walk by, you're going to be giving them a message. If you buy one, all proceeds are going to go to feedingamerica.org. That's right. And so Feeding America, um, their mission statement is, our mission is to feed America's hungry through a nationwide network of member food banks and engage our country in the fight to end hunger. Um, so it's it's pretty cool. It's been around since 1979. We're really into it. So any any face mask you buy from us at myfavoritemurder.com in the store, all the proceeds are going to go to them. 
to feeding America. That's right. Which is super important right now, as we were just talking about. This is very intense, very difficult time for so many people. Um, and this is just one way. We all have like, you know, I have about four different masks. One was one my sister bought for me. Mm-hmm. One I got a package of like the disposable ones. But so, you know, you can have one for your car. Oh, yeah. You can have one for your house, answering the front door or whatever. Our house is littered with masks. <laughs> it's really ridiculous. <laughs> So Vince keeps um, buying like different, you know, he wants to support the businesses he likes. So he keeps buying masks from different places. And then we have the big thing of the disposable ones. And it's just, you know, love it. Love it. The coolest. Yeah. Yeah. So get in there. And so you can uh, protect yourself and support a very good cause uh, and help help out uh, hungry people in America. Yeah. Um, and then real quick, do you want to do exactly right corner? Yes. Some good shit Let's this see. week. So good. So, um, Monday Murder Squad covered the case of the Taco Bell Strangler, um, who's named Henry Lewis Wallace. He, uh, targeted black women in Charlotte, North Carolina in the nineties. Um, but he's only confessed to the murders that he, everyone knew he was tied to. So Billy and Paul explore how many other potential victims he could possibly have. Mm -hmm. I've never even that's I've never I've never heard, heard of that. I've never Talk heard of that Bell person. Yeah. Um, and on bananas. OK, when we were told that this was going to be a guest on bananas and you know how good <laughs> Scotty and Kurt are with guests. <laughs> this one fucking tops them all. Aaron yep. Brockovich. Hi. Oh, How's my God. Legend. Yeah. Let's all watch that tonight. What the movie? The movie Aaron Brockovich. Absolutely. Such a good movie. But she's an incredible advocate. So she is on bananas this week. Please tune in. Yeah. And then the fall line is releasing this week. They released part one of their new two part series called Identity After Death, which sounds so cool. Mm-hmm. They have a UNH lecturer and forensic anthropologist named Dr. Amy Michael, who's talking about common misconceptions, the state of forensic science, how cold cases might be solved. Mm-hmm. Like this is a person who's in it and studying it and on the cutting edge. <sighs> um, so, so I can't rad. wait to listen to that. Sounds so good. So rad. Yeah. Cool. Um, Great stuff happening. It's all crapping. Did, uh, is that everything? Uh, 45 minutes oh. in? No, sorry. There is one more thing. <laughs> so last week, um, because the, the TV show, God damn it. The TV show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, t- yeah. Okay. So. Uh, we talked a little bit about the um, the new HBO series Lovecraft Country um, premiered, mm-hmm. and um, we talked about how much we loved it. Oh God, it's so good! Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's a uh, Jordan Peele uh, is one of the producers oh, on it. Why am I not surprised? That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so we got this email, and it says, "Hey crew, I was so excited and moved to tears to hear you both bring up Lovecraft Country this week. I'm one of the set decoration buyers on the show, and the entire crew puts so much love, sweat, and tears into it. And it's just nice to see our hard work being recognized. Uh, I, I think my parents sometimes imagine I'm still painting flats for a high school play. <laughs> As I was spending hours in my van traveling around Georgia to find period correct pieces. This is parentheses, the cool. This part this is my favorite thing in the world okay say it she goes and i mean it there's not even a single book on any set that was published after 1954 fuck that damn rad can that be that's my like that's my if you weren't doing what you're doing now what would you want to do that's my dream job right it's the coolest um uh and y'all were keeping me company 
so as she was doing this, doing so these right. buying, she was listening to us, which is such a great compliment. Um, every Monday and Thursday, several of us would get distracted um, talking about this week's episode in my office. You could find various SSD GM, you're in a cult, call your dad and other MFM merch. Uh, I've, I even have a few people on our crew who remembered the casket with the, quote, suspicious substance, mm. formaldehyde, that was in a mini-sode that came out while we were filming. That was uh, that one was not on our show. I promise to never buy a used casket for work, no matter what the discount is. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to say, on behalf of the Lovecraft crew, or at the very least, the set decorating department, <laughs> that we are happy to be friends of the fam. Yay. Stay sexy and stay away from racist and shoggoths, Natasha. Amazing. Uh, yeah. I love it. I love it. I was so, so excited. We were so excited. It's, so thank you, Nat- Natasha. I'm assuming she pronounces it Natasha, but it's N-O-T-O-S-H-A. Yeah. Natasha. Natasha. Yeah. Okay. It's just a different spelling. Sure. Um, please say hi to everybody. Yeah. Natasha. And, and way to go. Yeah, super congratulations. What a beautifully, beautifully made show. (sighs) Love it. But also so fucking creepy. Like Mm -hmm. the first when uh, it's all spoilers. (laughs) I haven't seen the new episode yet, so don't don't spoil. Okay. Yeah, we'll We'll watch it and watch the other one and then we'll talk about it next week. And uh, really quick, I just for the comedy side, if you're looking for something to watch, I finally I had been saving it. Um because when it first came out, I didn't watch it, even though I love Rob Delaney. And I love um, him. I love he's just truly the funniest. He's the king of Twitter, but he's also an amazing actor, an amazing comedian. So kind. Too. And he fucking rem- I, I knew him for a little while when he lived here. He remembers my name when he like didn't have to. You know what I mean? Like I was yes. not important to your life in any way. But he yeah. happened to be like, hi, Georgia and Vince. He was just <laughs> so nice. Yes, he knows his he knows his stuff. He's good. So he made a show co- with Sharon Horgan, yes. his, uh, an amazing Irish actress and comedian um, called Catastrophe. So good. There's, I believe, three seasons of it. Mm-hmm. So, it, and it is mm-hmm. so fucking funny and so brilliant to people that get together and start a family. And you, that's all you need to know. Yeah. The jokes are superb. The people are so real. I love it so much. And I, I, it's. I always feel bad when you I don't watch things the second they come out, but oftentimes I resist because there's always this first wave of like opinion. Yeah. And I want to like get away from that and then have my own opinion. Right. And be separate. And you lo- so and you just watched it and you love it? I just watched it literally for like 72 hours. I did oh. not stop watching it because I loved it so much. You know what that reminds me of? Did you watch the Nexium Cult yeah, documentary? I, yes, episode one. What's it called? The Vow? It's, the vow on hbo and so good it made me think of this because i thought to myself it's on hbo so it's episodic every week and i am just like i was mad that i couldn't binge watch it yes we can we not do that anymore all i want to (laughs) do is fucking sit there for a weekend and binge the show Yes. And mean and while you're at it, if I'm binging a show, you don't need to put up a thing that asks me if I'm still watching it. Get, stop judging me for laying on the couch for nine Are you hours. Still that still is in italics. Yes. <laughs> Are you Karen? still Karen? And then a little pig face. Yeah. The vow um, is really good. I I am the vow is excited great. about it. It the way it is setting it up 
for a second, I was kind of like, this feels a little bit pro Nexium to me. It What's felt, going on? Yeah. But it, it's like they're establishing it's good documentary filmmaking. They're establishing what what was good about yeah. it. Because there's why always these people got pulled in and you can totally understand. Yes. The positivity and the it's so I, I love that it, it's it's like a learning process where I'm, I was like sitting there going, I don't like this. They're yeah. basically, and then I went, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the whole idea of a cult is you don't see a cult and go, this is a bunch of bullshit. Right. You like the girl who was talking about realizing she's in a cult at the show. Yeah. Of course, it's welcoming. It makes you feel good. It's hitting all of those. You feel like you have a bigger all of those purpose, things. which, yeah. sorry, isn't a real, like, doesn't happen in real life unless you have kids, maybe. <laughs> I think if you have kids, then you, that's a, that's mm. the cult. Not according to catastrophe. <laughs> 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 no, but I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's such a good, this is the way we learn about cults so that we yeah. can learn to stay away from them right. or to recognize when something switches from being super helpful and beneficial to literally controlling your life. Yeah. 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 Thank God there's a lot of good TV out right oh, now Jesus. in these times. Uh, All right. Are you are you ready to make some media that are that um, will also entertain people? Oops. Well, we're 14. We're 49 and 50 something seconds in. So I feel like we're, now's the time. It's time. Um, Just tell me like a four minute story. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about the sound of an old timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye georgia have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant like perfectly scrambled eggs. Oh my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. 
What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill. If you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom, it's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Stephen, who's first? Karen, you're first. Damn it. Okay. Is it me? Oh, because oh, of last week. The quilt episode. Oh, right. Georgia did the, the dungeon in the Carolina, right. in uh, Charleston. And Karen, you did the Stoll Cemetery. Okay. The right. Okay. 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 So, uh, Georgia, the story I'm going to do for you this week, read to you, mm-hmm. um, is the story of Delaware's Patty Cannon, the wickedest woman in America. Ooh. Don't know it. Uh, okay, this was suggested by Anna H. She sent this suggestion into the MFM Gmail inbox. Thank Great. you, Anna H. Um, I'd never heard of her, of course. What she was, she basically ran the reverse underground railroad. What? She was an escaped slave catcher <gasps> in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. There's so much of this stuff as I was looking it up and reading it that, of course, I've never heard of. Uh-huh. Any of it. Historic um, as fuck. They don't teach yes. they don't teach it in the fucking schools. They don't teach it and they don't teach uh uh slave patrols, uh slave traders, all of it. It's uh, it's such an ugly time and it has to be discussed. This should not be the only thing you know about it, so please, this is this is basically an overview. There's plenty to read about this and to look into yourself. Okay. So, uh I uh got this information. There's a ranker article that was written by a writer named Amanda Sedlak Hevener and all that's interesting article that was written by Emily Stringer. And articles from, of course, Wikipedia, newspapers.com and the Dover Post. Just as a quick overview, as most of us know, and this the only thing I've ever heard of is that the Underground Railroad itself, Mm -hmm. the original, which was the secret network of safe houses, hiding places and travel routes that led escaped slaves out of slave owning states and to uh, free states and up to Canada. So. Of course, it is an incredibly secretive system. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not much about like when it was established or who did it first or anything like that. Because right. that was all very secret. But what we do know is that it was set up by free men who had been escaped slaves themselves, black and white abolitionists at the time, many of whom were Quakers. So the Quaker religion was very active. They're very uh, um, active in, in helping slaves escape. Awesome. Um, also... Members of um, the African Methodist Episcopal Church, which was established in 1816, mm-hmm. that they did tons of work uh, on the Underground Railroad. And it basically just provided it was it was very loose. Some of the some of the network, some of the spots in the network knew about each other, but it was very um, uh loosely organized it wasn't right. like oh if you make it to this place you know exactly you'll go to that place right. it, it wasn't set up like know, that at all it's the same thing with like you know fucking jewish people in germany during world war ii the more everyone knows about it the more you can tell 
the authorities when you get caught. So it's right. better the to more not danger. Know. Exactly. Exactly. You had to keep it small. You had to keep it very, very secretive. Mm-hmm. And especially at this period of time, which would be like mid 17, late 1700s into the 1800s, mm-hmm. because America was founded and established with slavery yeah. simultaneously. Yeah. So the slave codes that came to America, they just came with the slave owners in America. They were just, it was just kind of, it, they weren't the laws that were enacted. It was kind of like what had been established in either France or Spain or England. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were, there weren't any laws set up in any meaningful way. Essentially across the board, a slave owner was legally allowed to beat, to rape, or in some cases to kill his property, quote unquote, mm-hmm. these human beings at will. Mm-hmm. And so it's so essentially they're human beings that were uh, bought into servitude and then treated so poorly, obviously, backbreaking work, uh, uh, inhumane living conditions. I mean, so escaping um, to the northern free states was a, obviously huge. And they had the slave owners made it a very, very scary thing to try to do. Right. And so Set an and example they, of whoever tried it and got caught. Exactly. Like, and get these slave patrols, people that would just go out at uh, night, hired for money to try to catch um, people who are trying to escape slavery. Wow. So there's a, I read this article uh, a, while, a couple of months ago and it had this quote in it that I remembered. And it was um, from there's a black composer named George Walker, who was the first black composer to win a Pulitzer for music. He won it in 1996. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. And uh, he he's he he died um, in 2018. But. He was the grandson of a slave. And when he his grandmother, of course, never talked about it. And when he finally had uh, the courage to ask her, what was it like? Mm-hmm. The only thing she said to him was they did everything except eat us. Uh huh. Mm. So, OK, so I'm just giving you the overview of the setup. Mm-hmm. Definitely look into all of that slave patrols. Uh, all of that it's so creepy horrifying Mm -hmm. and it basically was the birth of what is happening in this country right now in about 1820 there's a woman by the name of patty cannon and she tends bar at her tavern in johnson's crossroad which is um in a, a town in delaware that's situated right on the delaware maryland border and so it sits right on the mason dixon right. line so s- slave traders would often stop at patty's tavern um as they were traveling to and from the slave states and the freed states yeah so tonight patty waits on a, a slave trader who makes the terrible mistake of flashing a huge wad of cash that he has mm. and so she invites him to have dinner in her nearby home and he says yes they have dinner with her son-in-law joe johnson and joe's brother ebenezer <laughs> if you yeah uh if you just want a creepy white guy name <laughs> eb what's up eb ebenezer so the slave trader se- seated at the dining room table um and patty excuses herself to go outside to hoe her flowers she says mm-hmm. that's the excuse she uses mm-hmm. and from the garden which sits right below the dining room window patty um has a clear sight of this slave trader's back pulls out a gun shoots him from behind and kills him takes his money obviously mm-hmm. um then patty joe and ebenezer 
hack his body into pieces, Mm. wrap him in the bloody tablecloth, stuff him into a blue chest three feet wide and bury him out behind her house. And this is standard fare for Patty Cannon. This is this is life um, at her tavern. Okay, so she was born uh, Martha Patricia Hanley there there's some people say her first name was Lucretia, but they think that that's just a rumor that stemmed from Lucretia Borgia, who was the Italian noblewoman who was famous for poisoning people. Oh, yeah. So they think that just that just kind of get, yeah. got tacked on to her. But records of her early life aren't exact. Uh, she was believed to be born in 1760 in Montreal. Her father was a British nobleman turned bad boy who defied his parents and married a barmaid. Um, so her father's parents disowned him and they uh, they fled to Montreal. They have Patty and three other daughters. And so Patty's father supports the family by smuggling and other crimes. So she's basically born into a life of crime. It's very common mm-hmm. for her. Basically, her father gets into a fight with someone who threatens to turn him into the local police. So he kills the snitch with an axe. Um, he's caught in the act. He's arrested and he's hanged for murder. Um, so Patty's mom is left to support the family on her own. Mm. So she forces Patty and her sister into sex work as well. Um, And then she tries to marry her daughters off so she doesn't have to take care of them anymore. So um, around 1776, when she's 16 years old, Patty marries a man named Jesse Cannon visiting Montreal from Delaware, where he is a farmer. So she ends up, she marries him and moves back to Delaware with him. And they move to a town called Johnson's Crossroads, which is now Resilience, Delaware, mm-hmm. which is right on the Delaware, Maryland border. Uh, so Johnson's Crossroads sits in the Delmarva Peninsula. So that's right along the border. There are three separate counties, Caroline, Dorchester, and Sussex, and they all meet together right in this one spot. Okay. Um, so Patty and Jesse have two kids, Jesse Jr. and a girl named Mary. So she works as a barmaid while Jesse um, farms and eventually she wants more money. So she tries to add sex work back into her rotation. But she even like her idea is she'll start beca- be a sex worker again and then eventually become a madam and run her own brothel. Okay. But she's such an unpleasant person. <laughs> She has such a shit personality (laughs) (laughs) that that um, most of her potential Johns find her attitude off putting. Oh God! So the brothel later days. They're like, could you lower your voice? Oh my God! So the brothel idea never pans out um, because she just isn't very nice. This was the description of Patty Cannon from the Dover Post. Quote, descriptions of Cannon, all written many years after her death, paint her as a rather fearsome person. She was, quote, massive of bosom, massive elsewhere. According to 1907 newspaper article, an Amazonian Paul Bunyan, who personally hogtied some of her kidnapped victims. She was, and then in, It says she was more or less robust, had a wealth of black hair and her face while showing the effects of her evil passions and dissipations was more or less good to look upon. She was a hottie, but her attitude was poor. So sorry. No sex work for you. (laughs) Instead, she leans on her bartending skills and opens a tavern around 1784 uh, when she's 24 years old. Her own tavern so that she basically... Instead of the brothel, she just Which has is her like own bar. middle age back then. Essentially, right? <laughs> really, she was she was scheduled to die within ten years. 
Okay, so soon after um, she opens this tavern, her husband, Jesse Cannon Sr., dies under mysterious circumstances. Mm -hmm. So Patty's left to fend for herself and her kids. So sometime in the early 1800s, her daughter, Mary Cannon, marries a man named Henry Brereton. Henry is a blacksmith, but he's gotten into the illegal slave trading game. So what happened was basically in... They passed a law in 1807, which came into effect in January 1st of 1808, mm-hmm. that was the act pro- prohibiting imp- importation of slaves. So essentially, they made it illegal to import any more slaves into America. Okay. And it's supposed to limit the slave population and end international slave trading. But what happens is because slavery is still legally in, in the United States, it then uh, leads to a rise in the underground slave trading, illegal slave trading market. Hmm. And that they call that the reversed underground railroad. So basically now plantation owners are willing to pay more for slaves. So making basically that when, if slaves ran away, it wasn't, you couldn't just go buy more. Right. So they would pay um, people to go find them, bring them back. They, uh, or just buy an illegally. Yeah. It's such a sensitive thing to talk yeah. about. We're talking about people. It's so crazy. Yeah. Um, so what ends up happening is the, with the illegal slave trade, these illegal slave traders go to free states and kidnap <gasps> free black people off of the street. Fuck, man. Whether they are ex-slaves, whether they were born free in those free states, whatever, they're kidnapping and getting them to boats and shipping them back down to the slave states. Super dark, really creepy. So essentially, in 1811, Henry teens up with the cannons to kidnap um, free black people and sell them back into the slave trade. So Henry, Patty and other accomplices, they would like get get other people Mm -hmm. to help them out. They join Joseph Griffith um, and develop a system. So the guys find accomplices. They troll the waterfronts in a ferry looking for free black men, women and especially children. Uh And then they kidnap them. Um, through force or through trickery oftentimes they would promise them right. work basically kidnap them and hide them patty had built um in the attic of her tavern she built this horrible jail mm. so she could keep people there she she abused them she tortured them they were horrible conditions mm-hmm. um and essentially they would while they would stay up there while she was making arrangements with these slave traders. So she was making money. They would make the exchange and then send the victims back down South. So one way they would do this when they, they would end up tricking black people is Patty owned a slave herself. who's just a boy named Cyrus James. Um, She bought him when he was seven years old. Mm. So she would make, and her gang would force Cyrus to trick people into boarding their ferry by saying, oh, do you, are you looking for work here? Come with me. Um, I'm going to take you to a place. So, of course, they would trust a child, a oh black child. God. When they weren't kidnapping free black people, Patty and her gang are also making counterfeit money. And they're also robbing the tavern patrons, the rich tavern patrons. So they were just they were just basically or an organized crime syndicate mm-hmm. um, all at this tavern. So in uh, 1811, Henry gets caught during an attempted capture in Georgetown, Delaware. He's given a prison sentence for his crimes, but within a year he escapes. He gets back to Patty's tavern and there he 
Patty and Joe Joseph Griffith pick up right back where they left off. Um, and then one day in the spring of 1813, they de- devise a plan to rob a slave trader who frequents the tavern named Rigel. They get him drunk. And then as he's leaving for the night, they ambush his carriage and they rob him. But he fights back. And in the midst of that fight, Rigel gets shot um, and killed. So Henry and Joseph are captured and found guilty of Rigel's murder and they're sentenced to death. Um, and at noon on April 13th, 1813, they're both hanged. Mm. So so now Patty's in charge and it does not slow her down one bit because um, right after the new widow, Mary, her daughter, Mary, mm-hmm. immediately marries another legal slave trader named Joe Johnson. Um, Joe partners up with Patty to continue this same slave trading enterprise that she'd built with Henry and Joe's an even better partner. They recruit as many as 50 to 60 other people to help them. And they become known in the area as the Cannon Johnson gang. Um, And we will never know the exact numbers because there was a book written after her death that they think she had a hand in writing. Yeah. So they're not sure if the numbers are correct because, but they, they think she killed around 30 people and sold thousands of black people back into slavery or into slavery for the first time, men, women, and children that it's really sad. They're, they're these stories because this became so common. There were posters on the streets of Boston warning black people to be careful not to talk to police not to in, not to interact with police and not to not to believe anyone offering them a job off the street which like, like you you'll get in find... trouble for immediately if you don't talk to police and don't interact with police if they interact with you you're right just, but it's you're almost fucked. just like it's that steer clear thing yeah. it, it reminds me of that that it that scene in love have country where they're just trying to stop for lunch right and they suddenly realize the cafe they're in isn't the safe place that they got in the green book it's that place has been burned down and they are in a sundown town yes so scary oh sorry spoiler alert (laughs) but it's the same thing where there's just traps everywhere it's again that thing we talk about about black people culturally have not been safe ever right they just don't they can't they can't feel safe yeah it's it's not right So law enforcement, of course, looks the other way. They know what they're doing, but a lot of white people make money off of off of doing this. So this illegal, the illegal aspect of this slave trading, no one, no one's coming out and going, this is wrong. You can't do it at all. Right. But the crimes, the the Cannon Johnson gang, they start committing all these crimes against white people. And of course, that's what gets the uh, the authorities attention. Mm-hmm. So they start hanging out at the tavern, paying more attention to what Patty um, and her people are doing. But she lives so close to the state line that any time she catches wind that the cops are going to come and like take a look around, she just hops the border. And so she's she's out of the area and they can't do anything about it. In 1822, a few members of the Cannon Johnson gang are finally caught, one being Joe Johnson. um, And he's the only one that's brought to trial for kidnapping because he's he was basically the leader found guilty. And his punishment is to be placed in the stocks and given 39 lashes. So he takes his punishment and then him and his brother, um, Ebenezer, take off for the South. Um, Patty, once again, 
she's dodged a bullet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that changes in 1829 when a tenant farmer working her land stumbles upon something interesting beneath the dirt, mm-hmm. a three foot wide blue chest. The farmer opens it and inside are the remains of the slave trader that Patty killed with Joe and Ebenezer back in 1820. So the farmer reports this finding to the local law enforcement. They go to find Patty, but before they can find her, they they wind up catching Cyrus James in Delaware, who is Patty's young boy slave. So he's also wanted for his part in this illegal slave trading operation, which is, of course, bullshit because he's a slave. He's being forced yeah. to work f- with them. Um, but the good thing is when the police question him, he just spills the beans Great. and tells them everything. He confesses to seeing Patty, Joe, and Ebenezer kill the slave trader and bury him in the blue chest. He tells them about all the horrors he's seen in the tavern, about the attic jail, mm. about how Joe would, Johnson would whip the black captives, um, who would say they're free. They, sh- you know, they're yeah. not, they're not escaped slaves. They were born free. Um, he even says that there are at least three other bodies of victims Patty killed and buried on her land. He leads authorities to the locations. And sure enough, when they dig there, they find three more bodies. A young boy who had been killed on June 1st, 1824, uh, when Patty hit him in the head with a wooden board and two other children who were both killed on April 26th, 1822. Oh. Oh my God. So with the help of Cyrus James testimony, law enforcement has all they need to arrest Patty. And in April of um, 1829, she's caught and charged with four counts of murder. She's found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging. But on May 11th, 1829, Mm -hmm. uh, Patty's guilty conscience gets the best of her. She calls for a minister and she confesses that she's personally killed 11 people including her husband jesse cannon who she poisoned as well as one of her own babies who she strangled when they were three days old so yeah she was a fucking monster yeah and i think that's probably where the lucretia borgia thing came in because she poisoned her her first husband the same afternoon Patty's found dead in her cell at age 70. She had secretly smuggled arsenic into her cell and used it to poison herself three weeks before her scheduled hanging. So Patty's body is buried outside the Sussex County Courthouse in Delaware, but her remains are moved in 1907 when the area is exhumed for the development of a parking lot. Um, So they end up burying her in a potter's field um, near a local jail, except for the skull. Somebody saw one of the courthouse employees who was there during the exhumation saw Patty's skull that was separated from the rest of her remains and took it and kept it. No, no, no. They kept that in their family until 1961 (laughs) when someone finally donated it to the Dover Library. So that skull has since been donated to the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. on long-term loan. And in 2010, Dr. Douglas Owsley, the chief of the Division of Physical Anthropology at the Smithsonian, announced his plans to conduct a forensic examination of the skull and uh, saying he wished to preserve it as a part of a larger study of life in the Chesapeake from colonial times to the 19th century. And that... (sighs) Is the story of Patty Cannon and the reverse Underground Railroad. Fuck, dude, that was a whirlwind. I mean, it's not enough. There's so I much. Know. There's, it's, 
you know, we'll talk more about all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the idea that, you know, this talk about a serial killer. Yeah. Talk about talk about evil. an evil evil person that we should know about. Yeah. I think. Yeah. This that whole idea of people who made money it's fucking, catching escaped slaves. Yeah. It's Dr. Mangala. It's fucking it it's is just people who are who are using the excuse of the times to do their fucking evil bidding and getting away with it. Wow, that's fucking evil. That's evil it's, and horrible. It's fa- and fascinating because this stuff went on for so yeah, long. She's not the Basically, only... It's not like this is a rare, ex- you know, moment yeah. in history. This is... She's yeah, she's the anti Harriet Tubman. But what's cool is in, in reading up on all this stuff, there... The coolest thing about Harriet Tubman that I don't think I understood, because basically the Underground Railroad went until obviously the Civil War, um, you know, through that. And then mm-hmm. Harriet Tubman, they, the the um, Union Army hired her to be a spy because she knew all these routes down, yeah. secret routes and places down to the south. And so they basically would use her to go in and she would dress up as, as an old woman mm-hmm. and no one paid attention to right. her. And then she would go get intel and information to bring back to the generals. That's my favorite. I mean, everything else is incredible and amazing. And her bravery and the fact that she went into slave states uh, upwards of 30 times to to a free um, escaping slaves. Yeah. Then she... She worked for the for the for the army too to during the Civil War. That's bananas. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. That was incredible. Great fucking job. And weirdly, mine is like a, my story this week is like, and later, 50 years later. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. I love it. And here's a, here's a unsolved murder I hadn't heard about ever that we should know more about and we should know more about the woman. Um, this is the murder of civil rights activist, Alberta Jones. Nice. So I got information from this from, there's a, Great New York Times article by Trip Gabriel, uh, blackpass.org article, uh, face to face Africa article, uh, blackthen.com article by Jay Jones, WHAS 11 article by Derek Rose and Lena Duncan, um, Washington Post article by Denine L. Brown. And, um, just, yeah, the, it's just coming to light, uh, about okay. this incredible woman. 
Okay. So Alberta Odell Jones is born on November 12th, 1930 to Sarah Francis Crawford and Odell Jones, which let's bring back the name Odell. What Odell's pretty good. Yeah. Name. Um, <laughs> in Louisville, Kentucky. So Alberta attends Louisville Central High School and then Louisville Municipal College, which was a school for um, black students only, but it merges at that time with the University of Louisville during desegregation. So she graduates and this is a, a black woman in the 1950s she graduates third in her class hell yeah and gets her bachelor's degree from the university of louisville also at the top of her class basically she's really smart really driven and in 1956 she's the first black person to attend the university of louisville law school Uh, she transfers during her second year to howard university school of law in washington dc which is the oldest historically black university law school in the united states and she graduates fourth in her class nice yeah and she's killing it she's killing it yeah in 1959 she becomes one of the first black women to pass the kentucky bar and uh so she's taking the bar exam and uh a newspaper photographer shows up to take photos of her because it's historic Mm -hmm. and uh she says to the journalist at the time quote if i had known how much was depending on me because she didn't even know about that she was one of the first black women to even take the kentucky bar she (laughs) said i would have studied harder and (laughs) she said and i would have worn something different (laughs) for real (laughs) She's like, I would send a bunch of photographers and made sure like no pressure, but you better pass this. Yeah. So she was also like, she was a great speaker. She was really funny and, you know, charming and caring. After passing the bar, she returns to Kentucky and opens a law office with partners in downtown Louisville. And over the next couple of years, Alberta Jones is profiled in the Courier Journal several times for her work and accomplishments and is described as cheerful and outgoing with a great sense of humor. Um, And there's this photo that kind of goes along with all of her articles. And she's just this like darling, bright, lovely person with a big smile, you know, it's and a bigger brain and a ginormous brain. Just a G- I think about the uh, guy Branham, who I know who has passed the bar yeah, and how smart he is yeah. and how much it takes to pass the bar because all of law study is memorization yeah. of specific detailed I, I don't know how people do no. it. It's and such an accomplishment. With the adversity of being an, a a woman, which what did not happen back then to begin with, mm. and then be a black woman, which was also so challenging. Yes, and right. she get, and she did it at the top of her class, top of her class, you know, straight A. But yeah, there's yeah, yeah, incredible, right. So she's a member of several distinguished groups, the Fall City Bar Association, the Louisville Bar Association, the American Bar Association. And she's a member of the uh, Zeta Phi Beta sorority, which is the third largest predominantly African-American sorority. And their focus is on addressing social causes. So social causes are really big for Alberta Jones. This is the focus of her career. She loves speaking to groups of younger women to try to get them to also go into law. You know, she's just she's a powerful person who could have yeah. who achieved so much in her short life and could have achieved so much more and well that alone i mean being able to stand there and go i did it so can you yeah that's that's all most of us representation we need representation you, need re- you just please show me one person that looks like like me uh-huh. has a background like me you know yeah. and has gone somewhere and turned around and goes come on you can do it too totally it's yep. invaluable so yep. early in her career in 1960 
Um, so she's got this neighbor, you know, longtime family friend. His name is Cassius Clay. And <gasps> he's an up and coming boxer. And yeah, he, he needs someone to negotiate his first professional fight contract for him. And so Are you he kidding? hires his friend, Alberta Jones, to, uh, you know, of course, he later becomes known as Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And she against or like with or against 11 wealthy white businessmen working on this contract, make sure that he gets a fair deal and even make sure that some of the money is put in a trust that he can't touch till after he's 35 because she's like, I fucking know you're just going to, you know, you're excited. You're going to spend it all. So she, yeah, this fucking lawyer, she negotiates this contract for him. Hell yes. Amazing. Brilliant. So, She's also, of course, a massive civil rights activist, a member of the NAACP. She marches in Louisville protests, attends the March on Washington in 1963 in August, and she forms the Independent Voters Association of Louisville. And so she, with that, uh, with that association, she and they are able to register 6,000 black voters nice. in Louisville, which is a huge amount of people. If 6,000 extra people voted in this upcoming election, yeah. it would sway things. So, you know, hundred percent, it's important. So uh, I just have to stop you really quick to say that it is bumming me out where we're going with this because I've I never know. heard of this person. No, I know. And it's it's that it's that we had never heard of her and all her work. And then we had never heard of the other stuff. And it's it's. We can, it's time and, you know, Washington Post and New York Times and all these outlets are finally giving her and what happened to her the attention it deserves. So, yeah, amazing. Um, and I'm bummed. I know. Okay. Me too. <laughs> when she's doing this voter association, you know, uh, thing, work, she, work, she also rents voting machines so that she can teach, you know, teach the people how to vote when they get in there. So they're not nervous <sighs> and freaked out. They know what, you know, needs to be done. I'm sure it's a really scary thing. I would have thing, loved that. Right. To vote like for the first time. Like year old? Yeah. Yes. It's nerve wracking. And it's fucking, the, you know, these groups of black people who have never voted before. And she wants them to be confident when they walk in. And yes. because of this, her, this movement ends up causing a major political shakeup in 1961 when black voters help oust the old school mayor and many of the city's aldermen. They fucking vote those fucking old school <laughs> racist dickheads out. Yeah. Because of their activism. Yeah. So and because of this less conservative administration is is in place and Louisville finally starts enacting anti-discrimination policies. And uh, Alberta Jones is also single handedly uh, able to integrate Louisville's city hall by forcing officials to hire black employees. Incredible. So she's this fucking little cute, fucking sprightly, smart, excited powerful woman who's able to make these changes in her early thirties. Like incredible. One better, one better. I mean, when you actually have the joie de vivre. That's right. Okay. In 1964, Alberta is appointed as city attorney in Louisville. The first woman to ever hold that position in 1964. That's so incredible. It's so good. In February of the following year, um, she's also appointed prosecutor for the Domestic Relations Court, which is another first for a woman and a person of color. Yeah. And she's responsible for prosecuting mostly white men for spousal abuse. Wow. Okay. So let's 
get to the bummer part because this is a strong brave young woman and she's this force she's up and coming in her career and life it's a shock to everyone who knows her when on august 5th 1965 alberta at 34 years old is found dead in the ohio river it's uh near louisville's sherman minton bridge Initially, police think her death is due to drowning. You know, I don't know. Maybe they thought she had just jumped. But her car is discovered several blocks from the bridge, and there is a massive amount of blood inside. Um, And then they do the autopsy, and they determine that she had received several severe blows to the head, they think with a brick, before entering the water unconscious and dies from drowning. Mm -hmm. And it's it, it just doesn't, there's no rhyme or reason. Um, The night she died, Alberta's sister, Flora Shanklin, says that her sister had gotten a call from a friend and that friend had been facing a lawsuit and like asked her to come out and discuss the lawsuit with her. It was like late at night. Um, Alberta was like, I don't want to. But the friend kind of, you know, it was like a girlfriend convinced her to go out. It doesn't seem like there's anything involved uh, with this, but I don't know. Um, Right. And so Flora says the last time she talked to her sister, um, Alberta was on the couch reading a magazine about how about the Kennedy assassination, which had happened like two years before. And the last thing Alberta said to her was casually, I hope I don't get assassinated. And Flora responded, you don't have to worry about it. You're not the president of the United States. And Mm -hmm. that just stuck with her. Oh, So police investigate the murder. They find witnesses who report having seen a woman being attacked and dragged near the bridge by three unidentified men the night Alberta died, which I feel like in 1965, you didn't you didn't interrupt stuff like that. I don't know. They just saw it and moved on. It's like they witnessed it and I don't know, yeah. ran, they didn't call anybody. Maybe like, they're like, this is domestic. I don't, I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> Three against one yeah. is not domestic. No, who fucking Unless knows? Unless you're having, yeah, no, no. And then strangely, they find her purse three years after the murder hanging from that bridge, the Sherman Minton bridge, almost like uh-huh. someone came back to get rid of the purse or uh, tried to, give a clue three years later it shows up and um it has its its credit cards inside all the contents are still on there the checks and but the purse just shows up but the case does go cold and the family is left without answers Mm -hmm. okay so let's fast forward to 2013 a first year student at the uh brandeis school of law her name is Lee Remington. In some articles, it's Lee Remington Williams, but the name Lee Remington is just a fucking, you're a, you're a cow person. You're a, you're a cowgirl and you're fucking fighting the good fight, right? Yeah, let's hope so. She is. She is. So okay. she's like passing through her hallway. She's at her, her law school. She sees portraits of civil rights leaders and she notices this photo of Alberta Jones. And she is a big civil rights uh, student. She, that's like, you know, one of her passions. And she's like, how do I not know who this woman, this black and white photo of this woman with all these other civil rights leaders, how do I not know who this is? And then she looks more into Alberta Jones and she's shocked to learn um, about 
her trailblazing accomplishments and her unsolved murder. Mm. So she's shocked about it. None of her classmates had ever heard of Alberta either. So she decides to start writing a biography of Alberta Jones's life to get her more recognition. And she even gets in touch with um, Jones's sister, Flora, who's now in her 80s. Oh, wow. And so Flora tells her all about her sister's death and how she thinks investigators ignored and buried evidence. And she believes that someone she Flora's uh, Flora thinks that someone paid the killers to kill her sister and that law enforcement didn't care about her sister's murder because they were indifferent about the murder of a civil rights activist at the time, which is fair. Yeah. For years, Police told the family there's not enough evidence to arrest anyone and that none of the original investors, investigators were even still alive. So they couldn't even, it wasn't even worth reopening the case. And so when Lee Remington starts her research in 2013, police tell her that the witnesses in the case are all also dead and there's like, there's nothing to be done. But Lee Remington gets access to the case file through an open records request and starts reviewing everything. And she discovers that one of the detectives who worked on the case at the time um, was super young when he was a detective and he's still alive. They're they're not all dead. And so she goes and interviews him. And he tells her he was in charge of collecting most of the evidence and writing the case report back during the 1965 investigation and tells her some details and that there is evidence that was collected and, you know, you know, like vacuuming the car for any trace evidence and fingerprints and shit. So she's like, this is could still be an active case. Then Lee Remington finds that there had actually been a new investigation into Alberta Jones's case in back in 2008. Um, because the FBI had matched a fingerprint found inside Alberta Jones's car to a man who was 17 years old at the time of the murder, oh. um, who lived in the area. He's referred to as CJ because he's not an official suspect, so we don't know his name. So Detective Terry Jones of the Cold Case Squad had, in 2008, had interviewed this man, and this dude, CJ, can't explain why his fingerprint is in this car and denies killing Alberta Jones, although um, the spot where her car had been found, which was kind of far from the bridge, was just a couple blocks from where he and his friends hung out. And he claims, this guy CJ claims he was a bookworm. He had just graduated from high school. He was going to college. And he also said, so Alberta's car at the time was in the shop. So the car that she was driving where they found the blood in was a rental car. And so this guy CJ was like, well, I hitchhiked hitchhiked a lot. So maybe that's why my fingerprint was in the car. I don't think so. Uh Uh-uh. I mean, stranger things have happened. However, let's dig into this a little more. Yeah, for real. So CJ offers to take a polygraph. It's found that he's being deceptive, but he's never charged with anything. And CJ's brother tells reporters that he and CJ had known uh, Alberta Jones and had met her because she was friends with one of their doctors, but they didn't do it. And his brother said he was home with him the night that Alberta was killed. You know, it's fishy, but... Two years after the fingerprint discovery, so it's like, you know, 2010, prosecutors write a letter to the police chief and let them know that they're not pursuing the case further because there aren't any blood samples from the scene available for DNA testing. Like there's not more evidence to test. Right. Why is there not more evidence to test? They threw it away. It's just missing. 
her entire evidence box is missing. So although a shit ton of evidence was collected by FBI at the time, fingerprints, vacuum samples from every inch of the car, blood samples, the purse and its contents, her dentures, cigarette butts from the car, her shoes, her clothes, it's all missing. Whoa. That's not, that's a very bad sign. Uh Uh-huh. And I bet it's somewhere, like, even if it's legitimately like they can't find it, there's always those fucking storerooms and warehouses. But then you always hear about the floods and the fires that like destroy evidence. And it's just so we can't. If there if if there was something much more sinister and calculated about it, then like saying that those three people were hired to kill her. Right. Then they you know, then, then somebody right. could also have the juice to then make that case, case file go missing, right. that evidence go missing. And, and there are people, you know, that, that she had issues with, although everyone loved her, of course, she was a prosecutor and she yeah. was prosecuting um, men for spousal abuse, which is going to piss some people off. And the people she had to work with in the courthouse also didn't fucking love the idea that they are working with uh, or fighting against a black woman so they're pissed about it you know it's like then there's also the her influence on on politics and the vote the voter right like basically like that's the power alone of that act yeah is huge yeah the people that are out there can have issues with her and yeah hire someone and it's it's a more complicated case to study but you that's your job if you're an investigator. So, yeah. um, it's your job. Right. And they also, they, uh, the cold case unit says that there's no one involved with the case that's still alive. Again, that's back then in 2008. That's their narrative. But so Lee Remington now finds that this letter, finds this letter, um, and starts to refute each point. Um, she now has f- over f- almost 1600 pages of research that she's uncovered through public records. She's fucking like down this rabbit hole, which she's is in it. amazing. The most glaring one being that the, de- that one of the detectives involved is still alive. So she's like, y- y- your argument doesn't make any sense. I found him. You can talk to him. And, but also, is that the rule in cold cases? If the detectives who originally investigated are yeah. alive, then too bad. Like, I don't, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. That you, you don't have primary sources, but. But you can also have the, their, their notes and interviews at the time should stand for that. That's the whole idea of keeping files and having an evidence room. And obviously. Exactly. Yeah. So Lee Remington also says that police back in 2008 failed to interview several friends that CJ had mentioned hanging out with some of who lived, quote, a stone's throw from where the witnesses reported seeing Jones abducted. And she says that CJ should be re-interviewed. People describe CJ as meek and harmless. And actually, Lee Remington says she doesn't think that he's the killer, but she thinks he definitely knows more than he's letting on to. Yeah, I think they described Ted Bundy as being meek and harmless as well and attractive. Uh, uh-huh. so, um, and there's also, you know, there's speculation of, you know, uh, what we already talked about as well as um, maybe her murder has to do with the contract she was drawing up for Muhammad Ali's fights, mm. you know, which there's I mean, there's no I haven't seen any there's no basis for that. But that's just speculation around town. So in 27, 27- seems like pulling the, the other famous name into the story. Right, but. right. And so still, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money writing on this thing. A lot of money. Maybe she's fucking with it and they don't like it, you know? It, it, maybe, yeah. Maybe she's cutting in in a way that's like going to establish a precedent. Right. That, you know, there, it's like everywhere she went, she was actually 
really powerful. Yeah. And young and powerful. And stirring shit up. Yep. Which is great. Okay. So in 2017, Lee Remington Williams, now she's now a professor with a PhD. She sends a letter to the chief of the Louisville Metro Police Department requesting that the department reopen the investigation. And so the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice also decides to get involved and the investigation is funded because there's this new law that had come in, the Emmett Till Unsolved Civil Rights Crime Act, which mm-hmm. provides 13.5 million annual funds to the Department of Justice, the FBI, and the state and local law enforcement agencies to investigate and prosecute pre-1970s killings. And, of course, Emmett Till is uh, a 14-year-old African-American child who was lynched in Mississippi in 1955 after being wrongfully accused of offending a white woman in her family's grocery store, and his white killers were acquitted. It's just this whole, um, uh, what's the word? Travesty of justice. It's this whole travesty of justice. It's sick. And so now all this money is being put in to um, investigate, you know, crimes like this that should have gone a different way. Yeah, that should have been investigated and properly prosecuted in a meaningful way. Exactly. So finally, 52 years after her murder, Alberta Jones's case is officially reopened. And this means her... I know. And this means her case also finally gets recognized by nationwide media outlets like the New York Times, who did this great article about it, and the Washington Post. Wow. But her, so it's reopened. She's finally getting the attention she deserves. And her legacy as a civil rights pioneer and advocate is also finally being recognized as well. So because of the new attention around her case, which is this tragic thing, but also her work is being celebrated. And so uh in the fall of 2017, Alberta Jones is honored in a hometown heroes ceremony, including a large banner of her photo being hung in downtown Louisville at sixth and Muhammad Ali. And it's this huge, beautiful, you know, photo, a local councilwoman sponsors a resolution to rename a street near um, Alberta's old downtown office, Honorary Alberta Jones Esquire Boulevard. And there's portraits and plaques of her placed in the county's attorney's office, the University of Louisville Law School, and the library at Bellarmine um, University, where she attended law school. And a law scholarship at Bellarmine is now named in um, Jones's honor. And at her high school, Central High School, there's a new law and government magnet program. And the classroom stands as a courtroom and it's named in her honor. Oh, I know. That's so good. Uh huh. And there haven't been any new leads, unfortunately, yet in recent years, although the attention that's like being um, put on this case maybe will make some people want to, you know, confess what they know or finally you know, talk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But a sergeant on the Louisville homicide department says that the case is still open. And as for Alberta Jones, she has this quote. So people were constantly doubting her saying, you know, she had gotten home from law school and they're like, you have two strikes against you already. You're a woman and you're black. Like what, what do you, what do you think you're doing? And she would respond, quote, yeah, but I've got one strike left and I've seen people get home runs when all they've got left is one strike. Hell yeah. And that is the story of civil rights activist Alberta Jones and her tragic murder. Alberta Jones. Alberta Jones. That's a name most pe- more people should know. Look her up. I mean, she, she's fucking 
I mean, she's light and power and love. There's so many stories, though, that are like this, where uh, it's it's the the murder of black people who are making and affecting change in places that need it so badly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so part of the tragedy is how common this kind of a story is and how much we don't hear about right. it and how, how, you know, swept like, under the rug. Tough. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like in his last, you know, in his last five months or so it's people are, st- especially it's white people starting to wake up to the fact that they have this incredibly incomplete, education and picture mm-hmm. of how this country has been working and how it needs to change. Yeah. And also just speaking about this because Alberta Jones is from Louisville, they still need to arrest the cops that murdered Brianna Taylor. <laughs> Fucking straight up murdered. It has to happen. Everybody knows this case. Mm-hmm. This it's her face has been on the cover of Oprah, Oprah magazine. I mean, it's like this it Talk about something I bet you Alberta Jones would get behind in a very yeah. meaningful way if she if she wasn't murdered in the prime of her life. Right. Fighting for the murder of a young woman who was absolute had every one of her rights. Absolutely. Yeah. There is no world that where you can argue that that was not murder from the from the, the cop who lied to get that warrant to the the cop who fucking signed it knowing that it was incorrect and that the person who they were signing the warrant for had already been arrested that day to the number of bullets that were shot right. into the, everything going against procedure i yeah. mean it's so egregious it's so beyond gotta change yeah great job beautifully done i'm so excited that i know who alberta jones is yeah now. yeah thank you for that yeah well okay let's let's end this by reading some fucking arrays. This is from Kelsey um, at this Mrs. Robinson. I have a fucking hooray. Going back to teaching has um, been one of the most stressful and trying seasons of my life. Not knowing what will happen between <laughs> she said <healthy>. seasons. <laughs> she called it one of the seasons of her life. I love her. And I bet you she's not over 30 years old. <laughs> um, she's definitely still in the spring winter area. Yeah. Okay. Not knowing what will happen between health, safety, mental health, and the status of my job. People insulting and manipulating the situation makes you question if it's all worth it. But this week, I was reminded why I chose this job, the kids. I teach three-year-olds to 11-year-olds, and they are messaging me how they miss me and love me. I'm reminded that this is a season that will pass and reminded of the kindness in people. Hmm. Shout out to MFM for highlighting the good, and we can all persevere through these times together. Did you guys hear about the shout out in the Leather Kenny episode? Oh, yeah, I know about that. <laughs> Squirrely Dan is a fan, too. Yay. Uh, hey, good job, Kelsey. Sorry you're in that situation. And it's very smart of you to keep it positive like that. Yeah. And thanks, Letter Kenny, for the shout and out. Thanks, Letter Kenny. We talked about that a long time. That's yeah. from a while ago, right? Yeah. But yeah. What's hell up, yeah. Canada. What's uh, up, Canada? Um lovely this is from conmanbell14 on instagram hi karen and georgia my fucking hooray i wanted to share with you guys is as a 24 year old gay christian i recently came out to my parents and hope to soon introduce them to my amazing boyfriend of three years oh my message to others is that no matter where you are in your coming out journey is that is that you matter and you are loved both inside and outside of the closet Thank you, ladies, for doing what you do and for being allies to the LGBTQ plus community 
SSCGM Connor. Yay, Congratulations, Connor. Connor. That's like double hard gay, gay Christian, but you fucking did it. Like he did it. What an incredible feat. Yeah. We're proud of you. That's awesome. Um, yeah, congrats. Yeah. Okay, this one's from Victoria. My fucking hooray is that my family and I have been playing an Uno championship since the beginning of lockdown. Yes. <laughs> We didn't have any idea how long it would last, but we knew we would keep playing until one of us went back to, quote, normal life. My dad went into his office last week, so we finished our five-month-long championship, and I won! Yeah! With a score of 7,342. The losing score was 8,338. Ha ha. It's been such a lovely way to spend our evenings together, especially as I'm going back to university soon and we will be living 3.5 hours away. Mm. Thank you, murder gals. Love this podcast so much. You're all awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. You are valid. You are supported. Oh, Victoria. Thank you, Victoria. I you needed that. Cash validation support. <laughs> Oh, Ooh. to all the kids going <laughs> back to school. Fuck. Good luck. Jesus. Yeah. I, I've been really enjoying the university. Uh, you know, they all have to go two weeks before to like quarantine and the meals that they've been giving them that are disgusting meals yeah. in their dorms. I've been really enjoy yeah. enjoying those photos. Okay. I'm enjoying how people are going back immediately. 58 people get sick and then they cancel in-person classes, which it just, they should be doing. Yeah. They should be doing. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, this one's from Benji. Souther. Here's a fucking array. Right as COVID started, I found out my best friend had to move from DC to California for work. That night I broke down and told him I had feelings for him. Turns out he felt the same way too, but we'd both been too nervous to say anything because he's a cis straight guy and I'm a trans gay guy and he wanted to make sure my gender felt respected and I wanted to be sure his sexual identity felt respected. Three this days. This is a modern love story. <laughs> I love it. Three days later, I got COVID symptoms and moved in with him because I had been with my parents and they have heart, uh, they have heart disease. Long story short, I'm typing this from a hotel room in Western Nebraska on the third morning of our cross country road trip. And because quarantine time is weird, we're talking about marriage. Wow. I can't remember the last time I felt this happy and I've saved a backlog of MFM for the trip. So you've been there with me for the ride. SSDGM Ben. And I look, of course, had to fucking sneak and look at the Instagram that they and it's the <laughs> cutest. I, I cried. I cried. It's like it's the best things about social media. It's beautiful. Yes. That's so lovely. Congratulations. Um, it's the younger generation. They're They're going to. But, they, but like the the beautiful part of it is that like that's such a brave thing to do. Yeah. That's such a strong, brave kind of like important thing to declare feelings in such a risky situation. Yeah. Such a question mark. It's so totally. Beautiful. I mean, it's like it's only one life, and you get to decide what chances you want to take and are willing to take, whether they're going to work out or not. You you get to decide, and like, are you going to regret? You know, when you're fucking 40 that you like me, you didn't you didn't take those chances, you know? Right. Yeah. That you didn't like what the you calculated that risk. Yeah. And you did it right. And um, it worked out for you. And we're fucking stoked for you. 
stoked and super jealous, which I think is even better, a better compliment is I kind of hate you a little bit for being so young and strong and modern that you're like, you know what? I'm so, I'm valid. Of course he'll like me back. Like, where the fuck did you get that? Is that self-esteem in in a nutshell? That's how you build self-esteem. That's, that's how you build it. That's what Gen X, Gen X parents give you. That's right. You know, we we didn't get any. You and I had fucking boomers as parents, Ugh. and they were like, "You're They'll gonna never, eat that." A man will never love right. you if you're a fifty. Marry well. Marry a rich man, Georgia. <laughs> Marry. Go Don't, to college so you can meet a rich man. Get yourself a doctor. What? <laughs> Don't you want me to be a doctor? That's yeah. not true. My my dad would say, "Get yourself a doctor." My mom would say, "No, become a doctor." Yeah, you know that share quote where she goes, uh, "My mom always told me to." to marry well or to marry a rich man and i said mom i am a rich man my fucking <laughs> yes. favorite listen to share whatever you do for real that's a, that's a way to live a life right there that's right uh, amazing oh, that, was, that was a nice batch yeah. good job everybody everyone's you know in the midst of a real shit time there are people who are making it work anyway and congratulations trying. just try yeah. a little bit that's all you gotta do we believe in you um thank you guys for listening steven thank you for um, helping us in a RV right now <laughs> in the middle of a desert in Arizona. I love it if everyone thinks I'm in a desert. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Steven's in the is, middle of the desert in an RV. He's doing, he's doing Burning Man by himself this year. <laughs> yeah. How is he engineering on that many drugs? On the playa? Steven's I'm already on ayahuasca. Yeah, bring me back oh, some. That's why you're barfing on mute while we were doing our stories. <laughs> I love it. Send us your fucking arrays wherever. And please, thank, thank and you guys. For, uh, thank you guys for being there for us. We get mm-hmm. lots of stories about like you. We're here for you because you're listening to our voices or it's making yeah. you feel that you guys have changed our lives so much for the better uh and and we can't we can't literally cannot thank you correctly or properly especially in quarantine but (laughs) we love you please know it deep in your heart and we mean you specifically you specifically you yes the one who thinks it's not you no no you're important to us here's another thing i want you to hear stay sexy and don't get murdered goodbye Goodbye. elvis do you want a cookie